Hello, and welcome to the Geekiest Podcast, where we sit around and talk to our friends about all things geeky, all the while giving each other geek points to determine who is the geekiest. Welcome to the Geekiest. I'm Joe. I'm Will. And I'm Chris. Hey, we've got Chris Neglin back. Hey, uh, hey, Chris, have, have, have you been doing anything the last couple of months since you were last on? I, I, I really was like, I wonder if like after we got done with the interview, if you just like sat back, did the day job, and we're just kind of cool in your heels after being a guest. Uh, actually, funny enough, I got a new day job. Excellent. That's better than the old one. I don't want to get into personal details too much, but you know, it's Got a longer commute, but it's got better pay, That's and, like a... and I don't I don't have to break a sweat like I used to. But you think that would be enough to slow me down? Uh, in fact, I've got an upcoming move here out of my apartment, and so you think that would be enough to slow <laughs> me down? But uh, no, uh, actually, uh, I put out another tiny D six uh, little PDF called Hippocampus Prince, uh, and it's uh, again for uh, the tiny D six, and again it's for their urban. Uh, a fantasy little micro setting they have called uh, The Streets of Fae, or is it Fae of the Streets? Which one of the two? <laughs> um, and the setup for that little micro setting is the Fae have survived, but in order to do that, they've merged their DNA with human DNA and with animal DNA. So you get a lot of shape-shifting, like, troll roaches, <laughs> things like that, just bizarre mm. stuff. Who, like, you know, shoot machine guns that are probably magical. And this was kind of my sequel uh, to set that up. And um, I also learned that uh, on October 27th, there's going to be an anthology, a short story anthology from uh, Bloat Games called Tales from Vigilante City. And it's a, a superhero anthology. And I have a story in that. It's called, um, I'm trying to remember, actually. It's been a while. <laughs> called, oh, The Icy Death of Dr. Furious, which okay. I've been told is the favorite title of, uh, I don't know if it's the favorite short story, but everybody enjoys the title. That is a good title. And then something I didn't even see coming. I didn't even know this was going to happen. I became a funded stretch goal for a Kickstarter. I, I, I saw that. We were rather impressed. One, that you you would become a stretch goal, and then that it had funded, and rather quickly, as I recall. About three days, yeah, if not, if not that. Um, it, what it is, it's for the Diamond Throne, which was a D20 setting back in the day by Marty Cook. Uh, it's been licensed by Here Be Dragons, which is a uh, Italian game company, and it's going to become a cipher setting, not a D20 setting, not a 5e setting. Um, and that's kind of not surprising because the cipher system is from Monty Cook as well. So it's a little complicated to explain because like I said, it's both things are his, but he licensed one to the other. So <laughs> I will be working, right? This is my world. Um, and I will be working on an adventure in a trilogy of, of uh, books that offer all sorts of creatures and resources, fantasy as much as you want. And, you know, just to recap, uh, the Cypher system, I did a PDF for that called Mortal Fantasy, which does exactly that. And it's been one of my best sellers. It's kind of the thing I hang my head on in the Cypher system. And then I have four 
secret projects. I had two the last time we talked, and now there's more. Wow. Um, I just I, one one thing I think you might even be leaving out is shortly after we had you on, you had a uh, an Eberron adventure drop onto the DMs Guild, as I recall. Oh yeah, you're right. I, I am literally losing track of the stuff I'm doing. <laughs> I guess it's a good thing to do. Yeah, I have an adventure. A uh, it's uh, Edge of the Mist, which basically I at the time when I wrote it, I had no idea that everybody wanting to play around in the Mornlands and Eberron was going to be a thing. And uh, you can, it's a great little adventure. Um, basically, you get a little double dealing and you get a little bending of reality, but you know, it's the Mornlands. What do you expect? Absolutely. And, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's a, the point of playing in the Mornlands, right? Exactly. And I have a little fantasy uh, race for 5e, uh, which are called the Rodare, which are like seven foot tall rodent people. Which looks amazing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I do love the cover. It's 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 very uh, oh god, the I, brain just dropped. Um, my excuse is I just got off my day job only an hour and a half ago. You can use that. I was going to say maybe you maybe you watched Lion the Witch and the uh, Prince Caspian. Okay. Yep. The the Mouse Warrior and oh, Prince Caspian. Reaper cheap. Yes. Except for this one's seven feet tall. Well, you know, steroids are a thing. <laughs> Did you guys ever read Red Wall? Well, I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. What was that? Did you guys ever read Red Wall? I can't say I'm familiar with it. Can't say I am either. So Red Wall, uh, it was in the '90s, and it was a popular set of kids' books. Uh, in fact, you know, it, it probably if it had been a little luckier, it might have been kind of a semi-run against Harry Potter, but I don't think so. But there's like a gajillion books in it, and the whole setup is uh, usually you're dealing with a mouse hero who lives in Redwall, which is a monastery run by mice and badgers and rabbits. And the villains are usually weasels and rats and all that. And they kind of hint that there may be humans somewhere out there in the world, but you never deal with them. And they're just all, you can see they're all wearing little robes and everything else. It was an animated series for a little bit, or at least an animated movie. You know what? When I want to do one. What, that's definitely a geek point. Um, and a geek point for all the all the stuff you're doing, especially your four secret projects. Um, but you know what? When we, what one of the times when when Kayla, me, and the family moved, I think she might have had some of those books because her 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 two sons, uh, you know, were were mid '90s babies, so that kind of falls right into stuff she was probably reading to them at the time. So the first one was named Mossflower, if that rings a bell. Yes, and yeah, and I, and your description, your description of them, like in like uh, like like monks' robes and stuff. I remember one of the covers, very very from, uh, very uh, wow, the words just falling right on my head. Uh, Again, you can borrow my excuse. You just got back from your day job. Yeah, except for I don't have a day job. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I got back from IKEA. <laughs> well, that, that works for me, especially when you found out they didn't have any freaking. Swedish meatballs today. Yeah, no, no. The restaurant was closed. And um, whoever laid out the IKEA stores definitely has built a a D and D dungeon or two in their time. <laughs> Cause there is you just you just keep twisting and turning and twisting and turning. Um and then I remember on the ground floor, uh to to help expedite you get to the warehouse section and then checkout, they have uh shortcuts. 
Secret passages, man. Secret passages. Exactly. Exactly. So when we were uh, when we were we were there today looking for for some shelving units, it uh, we got to the ground floor and it was just like we just it's we've been here too long and there are no Swedish meatballs. Um, I was like, oh, the map. There's shortcuts. I see the shortcuts. Let's go. So so Chris, you've been pretty busy. That's uh, that's a lot of stuff and 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 not too big a time there. Actually, I've got some information on my secret projects that I can leak. Ooh, wow. So one of them is definitely coming in October. Uh, the other one is coming probably October, November. And then there's two more that I, I can't really say much about. But one is 5e. Mm -hmm. One is a cipher project. Another one is OSR. And uh, the good news is the one that's definitely coming in October is for an established uh, set of uh, RPG rules. But I can't tell you which ones just yet. I'm going to give you a geek point for that teasing. That that was a uh, was pretty good teasing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Throwing um, out a lot of vague there. <laughs> it's for an RPG. You know what it is, but I can't tell you what it is. <laughs> it's fine. Keep keep your secret. Is there a, is there is, is there a hint? Does it involve dice? Yes. <laughs> okay, Which, so uh, we, can, we can rule out amber diceless system then. Exactly. <laughs> Well, we've ruled out something. That's a that that's good enough. That'll, that'll be a newsworthy <laughs> event right there. So, um, so you're, did I see somewhere that you've got? Were you doing also some some short stories for the uh, the was it Diamond Throne? No, it, uh, it's not short stories. It's gonna be, well, it could be short stories. <laughs> Who knows? But it's definitely gonna be uh, an adventure. And uh, they're also, um, you know, open to potentially having me help out in other ways, which I'm more than happy to. <laughs> so I, I remember in our, our last uh, session, uh, you mentioned a lot of it had to do with being lucky. Um, and at the time, I think we let you get away with that. But to be fair, I think a lot of it also to do is with you're just an incredibly hard worker. Well, thank you. I don't feel like it, but then that might be why I am a hard worker, because I, I look at my work and I go, I could do more. More. There's <laughs> not enough. For me, it's just, I, I do something, I try to write something every day, almost six, seven days a week. Sometimes it's a little and sometimes it's a lot, but over time, it all kind of adds up. Um, I think I did the math. Like A perfect example is, you know, if you wanted to do like a 20,000-word project, um, if you could get, what is the math I'm thinking here? You know, it sounds a lot, right? Oh, yeah. All right. So, but let's say that you're thinking that your word count is 20,000. So, but if you break it out, like if you did 500 words per day, give me just a second, because I actually like to do this. So we say, yeah, so if you do 20,000 and you divide it by 500 words a day and, you know, that's like 40 days. That's like a month. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, of course, then if you aren't like doing nothing but writing all day, but you've got a life and you've got family and you've got obligations and friends and once in a while you'd like to actually get up and drink a beer when it's non-COVID, that slows down. But still, you just keep plugging away. And before you know it, you've reached your 20,000. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, I remember in high school, I had uh, my, my junior English teacher, uh, Mr. Jeff Chu had uh, every day we had uh, we had to do quotations and he had quotations around the classroom. And one of the ones that stuck with me is uh, excellence is uh, is not an accident, but a habit, something of that nature. Um, and and what what he tried to impress upon us was that 
to be excellent, you have to keep, you have to keep doing it. Just as, as often as we like to think, you know, you, you, the one hit wonder or, or the, you know, the prodigy or the, you know, uh, you know, that, that one gleaming person who hits it out of the park on their first attempt at anything more often than not, it's because you put in the hard work, you are writing six or seven days a week, every week, regardless of, you know, day job, family, you know, all the things that you, that we have to do as, you know, human beings in society, but to make, you know, make priority, make writing a priority that, you know, that's, that's not just, oh, you, you goofed up into it, but you, you've been doing it, you've been honing the craft. So, you know, like I said before, like, as, as much as we were talking about luck, it's also a lot of hard work. I'll take that for now. <laughs> Good, because because I said so. <laughs> the expert has spoken. <laughs> uh, let's let's uh, not go call me an expert. Um, <clears throat> well, if we do, nobody will listen to you. <laughs> That's true. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, so one of the other interesting things. One uh, on your last episode, you had discussed. You went through a, a long list of creators that we need to be checked checking out, and then uh, a few weeks later, uh, actually, had after we had Rich on um, the uh, the Diana Jones Awards came out, mm -hmm. um, and this year, as we mentioned before, Diana Jones Awards basically recognize excellence in Black game creators, and several of the people that you uh, hipped us to. Uh, the one that stands on mind was uh, Mike Poundsmith. Yes, Mike Poundsmith. Um, you know, he was one of the one of the creators recognized uh, with the Diana Jones Award, and uh, I, I it felt very prescient that you know so many of the gamers you uh, game designers you mentioned were on that list, and uh, including Rich, right. yeah, uh, you know, justly recognized for his work. Um, you know, as a game designer, as somebody working in industry. How I mean, like you know, Diana Jones Award is pretty prestigious award in, in the industry. How how that how that make you feel? Uh, made me feel good because um, you know uh, I've been accused of being a hipster geek sometimes. I, I I'm onto the cool thing before it becomes cool, <laughs> and some of it is just you know I look out for people uh, and and just kind of dig around. I'm always curious. I'm always looking a little deeper. Uh, like a perfect example is for a lot of people. Um, they don't really pay attention to who writes the thing they're reading or who directs or writes the thing they're watching on TV or film. And I think if you dig down that to that angle, you will find more consistent quality of what you like to watch compared to just following the actor. Well, don't get me wrong, there's some actors you know that they kind of, they either have a good agent or they have a good idea of what they fit in and how they work with that. But overall, I, I have found out that digging deeper, looking in those credits, um, especially for gaming material, I don't think hardly anybody sadly reads the credits, um, unless they have an axe to grind sometime. Yeah. Um, like, I don't like that guy because of whatever. Uh, but yeah, so, I, and actually for me, I, I, well, I felt, I, you know, I like, that's cool. I, I feel much more pride for the, you know, my heroes and my friends who got recognized. I guess, finally, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I think I think that's that was you know especially after having you on and how passionately you spoke about about these different creators that we should know to see them recognize and it's like okay so this industry is is starting to recognize 
and and I I cannot agree with you more. It wasn't until I want to say this edition of Dungeons and Dragons for me that I've ever start ever really looked at the inside cover to see who's who's designer, whose story, who's you know whatever. Um, and, and I think part of that's been getting to know folks in the industry. You know, getting to talk to James Intracasso or talk to Rich or talk to you. Um, meeting Darcy Ross at, at RPG Escape, meeting Ken Height, you know, uh, Hal, everybody. Um, you start recognizing designers as people. And I think that's, I think that's the difference for me. And now it's interesting because I uh, got my hands on some older, uh, older, older books, older uh, games and stuff. And now like looking in and seeing names of like uh, Kim Mohan and, and, and such where it's like, Oh, I heard them on, you know, another podcast, whatever. It's like, oh, I actually have material that they worked on now, you know, in my possession. Exactly. So uh, have you guys been watching Lovecraft Country? Because that's kind of come onto the scene too since my last little visit. We have not because <laughs> this is a continuing saga of uh, our, our streaming device in the home is a Roku. And HBO Max and Roku have uh, not not worked out a deal to carry hbo max so uh, they say you're not allowed pretty much um at the moment i think we're gonna bite the bullet and get the h get hbo through like our prime uh video account um but yeah it's just been one of these where it's just like which i guess so with with the announcement uh last week or, or two weeks ago that dc universe is gonna stop being a uh uh, television, or shouldn't say television, but it's going to stop being a video streaming uh, platform and only a comic book reading platform. I can just drop that subscription to, you know, cover the cost of the HBO Max subscription. There you go. Yeah, I, I'm kind of torn on that because uh, it, it always offered comics and then the streaming video was added later. Uh, and I was like, I, I kept watching more video than reading more comic books. And I was like, well, what's it going to say when everybody drops it because they want to keep up with the video and we're not reading the comic books? Um, in fact, uh, who was it? Oh, the guy who, do, who wrote a lot of The Punisher is actually advocating that comic book companies stop making a lot of comics. I, uh, I, he's saying that we should go down to like 15 titles at most. Hmm. So... Uh, so I want to read the comics, and I, I would like need to. I should because I'm just a kind of writer reader kind of guy. But I can't motivate myself. I even like uh, was enjoying uh, Star Girl for a little bit. Uh, if you haven't seen that one, slight spoiler: uh, while following the heroes is all optimism and bright, and it's not. It's the opposite of emo CW teenager. <laughs> the actual villains are ruthless. To each other. Nice. It's like, did I just see what I just saw? It's like, with they, uh, I guess, slight spoiler, so shoot me now. They start off with a larger cast of villains at the beginning. Let's just say that. <laughs> it's okay. All right. Uh, I've, I've been looking. I've been looking to get it because I have always been a JSA, a Justice Society of America fan. Um, I think part of that goes oh, back you to. Are... <laughs> Part of it goes back to uh, my favorite comic growing up was All Star Squadron, uh, which borrowed a lot of JSA uh, characters. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, I, I've actually I've been meaning to to watch it, but life gets so busy sometimes, and figure finding the time to just watch something new is difficult. 
Well, the perfect example is I, I haven't, I haven't, I need to catch up with my Lovecraft Country. I saw a couple of uh, episodes of it. I loved it, but between the writing and, and getting all these things done, it got to the point where I just like watch when I'm trying uh, trying to eat and then trying to mm-hmm. finish up eating versus sitting there with an empty bowl in front of me for the next half hour. So to do that, I was watching the Lower Decks and Infinity Train. So Infinity Train, what's Inf- Infinity Train? It's on uh, Cartoon Network. Okay. And it's kind of really RPG friendly because the setup is um, uh, there's a girl who's having issues at home and then a train just pops up out of nowhere. She steps on it and then she finds out that the train is alive or is not what it seems to be because each car is a world unto its own. And you have to solve the puzzle in the car, which in a way should be helping you solve your issues at the same time. And then when you step out of the infinity train, you're not on earth anymore. It's just desert for miles around that. Yeah. And there are things out in the desert that are more than happy for you to train too far. That sounds amazing. And they're 10 minute episodes. And digestibly sized. (laughs) Yeah. And, And another reason for you to get HBO max. Yep, it's also an HBO Max. <laughs> okay, okay, well, you get your uh, you get your shilling uh, geek point. <laughs> no, just peer pressure. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> One uh, of us. There's also <laughs> yeah. a um, HBO Max. Also has a it's a, it's a Ridley Scott uh, series coming, or it's already raised by wolves. It's it's already happening right now. I haven't thought. Right. I'm not going to touch that. Until I have caught up with Lovecraft Country. That's for okay. me. I'm like, nope, nope, I'm going to do that. Um, so what, what do you guys think of Lower Decks? Uh, Kayla and I love it. Um, we love the, the, the all the fan service in it. Um, right. <laughs> uh, and it's just, it's, it's fun. It's funny. It's, you know, it still does feel like Star Trek, but it's just sort of, tongue firmly in cheek and and we're you know we're telling the stories of you know based around the you know the lower ranked uh, officers um and and uh, we we watched yesterday um the the most recent episode to come out and it's like the second or third time mariner has made some comment about klingon prisons or klingon you know black ops things she did before and it's like okay season two has had better like cover more of mariner's backstory because i'm all in they have they have that hook is set and locked just reel me in for me it just feels like it's like it's going to be a one and done or a two and done uh it it, it's just it feels like every episode it doesn't advance a, a, a centralized plot other than within the internal characters but it's more of a we're going to tell this story because the fans will really enjoy it, but it doesn't really go anywhere. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of iffy about it. So for for me, the first few episodes, I was getting they were going to lose me because there's this dynamic they have with Mariner and Boimer, and Boimer's the, the square and you know no fun quote unquote, and Mariner's just like they, they were going head to head with each other, and of course uh, he was the rules guy was always kind of losing and i was like this is getting kind of old you know it's the, mm-hmm. the cool kid who who can uh, f- you know flaunt the rules i'm not like pro oh everybody's got to be square but i'm just saying it's kind of 
repetitive. And then they, just like with Orville, where they decided, you know what, we need to move on from this one shtick because Orville, you know, they, they were cramming in more dick jokes every second than they could for the first two to three episodes. And once they oh, yeah. stopped doing that and just let the humor arise organically from the plot, which I think uh, Lower Decks is getting a little more to, I don't think they're going to fully go that way because they've got way too much fan service to cram in and, and wink at you at, to do. But, you know, once they just stop doing that shtick of theirs, and then kind of just go with the flow now that they've established the characters. It's better. I don't know how long it's going to last. I, I wouldn't put any betting money on that, especially if it was Netflix. Oh, you know, if it was Netflix, I'd say, yeah, yeah, after season two, it's done because it's Netflix. But this is CBS. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's not CBS Access anymore. It's Paramount Plus. Right. Is that what's the... Yep. So, DC, you know, all the streaming from DC Universe is going into, what is it? HBO C- Max. HBO Max. And uh, all CBS access is rolling into Paramount Plus. I mean, Game of Thrones wasn't even over as a series, and I and some friends of mine are like, "This is too many streaming services already." When we saw people come like HBO Max, and that was before all this other stuff came in. Yeah, we were. I remember when. Uh, so I remember we had Netflix, and we had we used to have HBO Go or HBO Now. But we we were borrowing a login for like my parents' cable <laughs> for a bit. Uh, and then I remember like when like Disney plus and DC universe, when they announced here, it's going to be, you know, uh, like Titans and doom patrol. And it was like, okay, well, that's another one. And then, uh, the showtime, there is the, the one for showtime and the one for stars and Hulu. And yeah, it's, it's, it's gotten a little, gotten a little crazy only. And uh, who is it? Some we were talking friends the other day and they're like, well, it's almost like having, all the cable channels back in the day. And I was like, yeah, except for, you know, I don't have to, you know, have the religious programming and I don't have to have the sports programming because, you know, sports really isn't a thing for me too much anymore. And, uh, you know, I, pretty much if I have it, if I have a streaming service, it's because they have programs that I actually want to watch. I, I think what it's going to boil down to is it's going to become what everybody wanted cable to be. Uh, back in the mid back in the mid 90s it's like great i i don't you know you, you're wanting to give me this package of uh, 450 channels when i watch three of them well now you can just get those three particular channels and spend 5.99 a month or 9.99 or what you know 13.99 and you can have those three networks you can get that particular programming um it's either that or you can go with a a different aspect like an itunes where you can download it you can buy you know the season just came out of this show you can buy that season so you can watch that show that you want to watch and i i know folks who do that either with itunes or i think you can do that with like uh amazon prime or you can do that with uh even like google the google store where you can just oh I want the season or and and watch it that way. Yeah, just, and, and your your media markets are making up the they're they're figuring out the market. I mean you got Peacock's rolling out with all NBC Universal stuff. Some of the stuff of HBO Max is going to go there. Uh, DC has figured out that their their streaming service they can combine it with HBO and work on that deal uh, and and take their app in a different direction 
uh, but some of their program is going to go on to, onto the CW and it's going to be broadcast available and that beefs up their diversity as well. So it's the market figuring out the market and 2020 for all of its ups and downs and a lot of downs <laughs> is coming around to this idea of this is a good time for us to flush out this market and get it figured out. Are you trying to say that it was done on purpose? Because what's 2020 without a yet another conspiracy? <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying that it is, and I'm not saying that it isn't. I'm saying it's a possible. <laughs> we will leave. We, you know, it could be aliens. It's so just aliens. It, can, it can always be aliens. So just to cover Maybe. my bet, I'm going to say that there's going to be a service down the road that aggregates everything. A service to combine all of your services, like cable? Exactly. <laughs> but they won't call it new cable. New cable. No, no. Cable plus. Cable plus. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, everything's got to be a plus now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's, it's so strange. I, I do like um, CBS slash Paramount. Uh, I, I like the approach to bringing out the show on a week-to-week -week, uh, model versus the Netflix, with the exception of, like, I think there was what one show on Netflix like two years ago where they tried to do the every week dropping. Um, but I, I like having that weekly, you know, show comes out. I also love, though, the joy of if I don't catch it when, the day it comes out, I can still see it, unlike old television where if you didn't catch, you know, the episode of uh, Battlestar Galactica, you had to wait until, you know, the summer for reruns. Wait, you oh. want to go to grandma's birthday party? No, we can't do that. My show's on that night. <laughs> no, we can't go to grandma's birthday party. I don't care how old she is. I can't miss my show. <laughs> It'll never come on TV ever again. Ugh. Or, you have your VCR? Ugh. or you had to get out the VCR and, Okay, can I record on this tape? No, that's your cousin's wedding. Stupid cousin, stupid wedding. <laughs> yeah, that, that lasted about six months. <laughs> right? Before they take over it. Well, hey, at least we can all agree on one thing. We no longer have to live in fear of, it's on, as you're in the bathroom. <laughs> No, no. We don't have we don't have to worry about that anymore. Or it's like, hmm, I could really use some, you know, something to eat and a beverage. You know, can I get it? Can I get all that together in the minute and a half or two minutes of commercial break? Well, that's why you have the TV in direct line for the kitchen, so that you never really lose sight of it. That's just poor planning. And this was all before open concepts for your kitchens. That's right. <laughs> I was gonna say that's where it, the idea came from. Right. <laughs> I was gonna say, in my house, it, we, you'd have to look through like two sliding uh, to, to for that to work out. The TV'd have to be angled in such a way that people couldn't actually watch it on the couch because you'd have to angle it through like two sliding glass doors. So I'm so glad that I can just pause things. Or what? You got tired of using Windex? <laughs> well, I mean, I like to keep the curtains drawn so that the house doesn't get to you know 90 degrees during the day. Small like price to pay. <laughs> <laughs> Sweat and don't miss your show, or be cool <laughs> and you do. Choices. I live in the future where I can pause programming or back it up. Or now we, we go back. We now we go back in time thirty years, and we look at each other and say, "This is the thing that's going to happen." 
We don't look at you and say, no, it's not. There's no possible way. On-demand programming? You're out of your mind. <laughs> Underground programming that has, like, movie stars, it, do you know, appearing in it or voicing cartoon characters in it? What? Well, again, it goes back to Robin Williams on Whose Line It Is Anyway. What am I doing here? I have a career. <laughs> and if you haven't seen The Brilliance, it is Robin Williams on the episode of Whose Line It Is Whose Line It Is Anyway. YouTube. Go back, watch. It's pure genius. It's uh, it's, yeah. It's funny as um the other the other day one of those uh, Facebook memories popped up for me, and it was from two thousand and nine. Uh, and I, I, I in it, I basically was like, "Hey, you know, twenty first century. It's awesome that I can like DVR every program that I want to watch, but where's my flying car?" <laughs> Soon, give it time. They're working I, on it. I, I, I know, but Elon's I, busy, man. You gotta, he's launching the stuff out in the space and all kinds of stuff. Just gotta give it time. Well, no, but remember, there's that Japanese company we, we covered a couple weeks ago that they they had their flying car, so oh, that's not really a flying car per se. It was a pod, it was a pod. It's one step away from Anakin Skywalker. I mean, come on, the human sized <laughs> drone. Yes. It flew. It looked like a car. I think it's a flying car. Um, but then I, I think about it, though, and I think about when I'm on the road and I see the poor driving of people navigating, you know, two dimensions. And I... Imagine landing on your house. Listen, I grew up near Perry Airport, so... For, for those folks in South Florida in the 80s, Perry Airport had a bad habit of having Cessna's land adjacent to the airport. Airport adjacent? Yeah. <laughs> and the, the, the apartment buildings and local neighborhoods. Um, so I, I, I feel like I should retract my desire for flying cars <laughs> until such time as humanity shown that. Because come on, you know, you know, we have friends who if the, the fuel light goes on, they, they will tell you, oh, no, I know how, how much farther my car can go. I, I know. <laughs> just one for guys. We're still three hundred feet up in the air. Yeah, we can we can glide. It's okay. <laughs> you don't have we enough. Can fuel glide that to... extra half a mile. <laughs> you don't have enough fuel for me to explain the aerodynamics that don't exist on this vehicle. <laughs> oh no! I I you know what I I will retract the flying car. Uh, you know that's wise decision. Wise uh, decision. I, I I like the the idea of the self driving vehicle, so so Elon can get 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 working on that again. It's working, but honestly, flying car, self driving car, self flying car. I don't know. Okay, self flying car. <laughs> that you might sell me on because the computer's going to go. We need to stop for fuel. We're stopping for fuel have your credit card ready. You know, you don't have, you don't have one of our buddies going, ah, we can push another, another 20 miles. But then we got to push for midair refueling. Oh God. <laughs> Big fat drones full of fuel flying in the air. What could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? Okay. Scratch my, scratch my <laughs> self-driving flying car idea. Totally scratch it. Not going to, no, oh, I mean, as it has, 
I mean, they have to navigate all the Amazon uh, delivery drones. Hey, in my neighborhood, we just call that skeet shooting with prizes. <laughs> Actually, the Amazon drones would be like the semi trucks. Wouldn't even be the same size, but they'd be the ones that we'd be driving slow and like, you know, backing up the traffic everywhere else, clogging up two lanes of a virtual flyway. Oh, that, that, it's hard enough for people to stay in their lanes on the ground that are clearly marked. I, uh, it, no. Nope, nope, nope. We we are not you know, enough of species to handle flying cars. Back to the Future Part 2, you didn't see the first two minutes? Did you forget the first I, two minutes? I, no, I remember the first two minutes, but I, I also just, you know, I, and, and I've remembered the, all the scenes of Coruscant from the prequel series where they're flying around and flying cars, and, and it, or Fifth Element and the flying oh, car. Pretty much any movie in the flying car. <laughs> And then I think about how people drive again on two dimensions, and hmm, this is this is all bad. Yeah, we're not ready for that. We as a society are not ready for that. We need oh, somebody American society anyway. Who knows? Yeah, I was, gonna, I was gonna say maybe we should get the Japanese to check this out, or the British, or maybe the British. They're so just you know Canada because they're always apologizing anyway. <laughs> Sorry for swiping swiping in front of you like that. That's okay. <laughs> I'm so bad. Don't worry me. about it, eh? Oh, <laughs> oh. So since you mentioned Peacock earlier, I want to give you guys a because um, the Peacock is funding the Greenbone Saga, which the first book is called Jade City, and it's a must-read, definitely. Cool. Uh, it, Peacock, it, Peacock's another one of the apps that has not made peace with Roku, so... Mm. <sighs> Roku, make some peace! It, it, it's 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 a, much like everything. It's it's about how they split uh, money. Yeah, more like Roku spend some money. Um, I want. I was, Roku gives you some pretty good stuff. I mean, it does. It does. I'm 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 I understand. Well, they uh, Peacock is also having issues with the uh, Fire Stick, or they were um, with again with with divvying up revenue. Um, but I was interested in Peacock because they had uh, was a Brave New World. Oh yeah, that did look pretty. And that I, I think I have read that book. Like I've read it a, a bunch of times. But like between like the summer before I went my senior year, my senior year, and like my freshman year of college, I think I read it three times in like a nine month, twelve month period. It was just ridiculous. But I like the books. Classic. <laughs> yeah, Aldous Huxley. Gotta love them. And here's the scary thing: those books are written. 1930s yeah 1930s and, and still, still relevant. relevant yeah i mean you throw on top of that orwell's writing in what 47 48 yep i think i already used the term prescient i will use it again those guys are kind of prescient well actually funny enough uh i was reading and uh if you take out the internet and cell phones uh you could place that story almost anywhere in the 20th century those, some of those, some of those, you know, until technology really kind of comes with this, some of that stuff was pretty timeless after a fashion. Oh, yeah. It's weird because it's like we think about, um, we think about how far advanced we are, you know, with our technology. But then you look at the technology that, you know, different sci-fi writers, I, and I kind of putting the caveat on, like, not the, sh like, far future uh, sci-fi but like how much of that like is very close to you know 
how how close we are with actual technologies versus the uh, technologies they were uh, forecasting. Um, I mean, we all know like how the uh, you know Star Trek has you know the influence of Star Trek on technology. You know the the flip phone folks. You know basically saying they looked at the uh, original series communicators and took uh, inspiration for that. And we covered a couple weeks back the that one. Uh, health tricorder like thing that they have out there so yep it's uh it is pretty interesting the one thing we don't have is the uh the uh, that <laughs> flying car um and that uh that that tv or movie uh thing from uh brave new world that uh like does the whole sensory thing haven't quite got there yet but we do have video phones we do have video phones do you guys do you remember was it AT and T or one of them where they had like the video link phones where where it's like the the screen was like this you know like a three inch screen? Um, yep, I think that was only a few years before the internet actually started. I if yeah, I remember right. I I want to say you're correct. Like we like before the internet became like commercially available. I because I remember, I was in was a sophomore in high school when teachers we had to start letting cluing teachers into people were just printing out Prodigy encyclopedia articles to turn in for work wow yeah and here i was just bragging that i could make my computer talk <laughs> my ti 90 whatever, mm. whatever that thing and yeah the, the potential to make it talk was actually bigger than i mean big, bigger than most things we now own that have a lot more power to it I was I was just listening to uh, another podcast. Uh, I know, shocker. Uh, Twenty thousand hertz, and like their second episode, they covered the eight bit sound from those early uh, video games, and like going into like how at most those games had like three chips that made sound, um, or they called voices, and how like the computer programmers turned into computer music programmers uh, or composers and had to figure out ways to make as many different sounds and, no and music with, you know, being able to only play three notes at a time. Um, it, it was, it was a really interesting uh, episode and I, I would definitely, I one highly recommend the series 20,000 Hertz. Um, if you are, they're short episodes, maybe 20, 25 minutes and just so so informative uh the first episode covered the um the nbc uh chimes and and how they how they originated and how iconic they became and it's definitely worth to listen and and so far i've been very happy with that and uh come to find out not too long ago that uh previous guest of the show james intracasso uh was involved in a couple of the episodes of it in a production role so. so what's the magical number of 20,000 hertz? I want to say 20,000 hertz is the upper level of human hearing. Ooh. I believe I remember this from my uh, my music engineering uh, classes. Is that the, the human, hear, uh, human hearing range is somewhere between 20 to 20,000 hertz. Uh, your mileage may vary depending upon your age and how much, you know, and, and your hearing. How many rock concerts you have attended in your life? How many rock concerts, how often you've stopped, out, 
how many times you've stopped outside the uh watched airplanes go off, you know take off at uh, the airport uh whether or not you ever worked in heavy construction what can't hear you what'd you say exactly uh, but yeah so yeah twenty thousand hertz is, is the upper level um that's like the really really high pitch um and 20 hertz is that's a that's a sound you feel more than hear Ooh. yeah is that the brown note? That's not the brown note. <laughs> <laughs> Nor is it that uh, that one scream that uh, is now included in every movie. So the Wilhelm scream. Yeah, the Wilhelm scream. Once you once you hear it and you know that's it's it, here. You know you know why you hear it all the time. You can't unhear it ever again. In fact, it gets to the point you know when somebody puts it in on just for you. I <laughs> <laughs> have to find a copy of that to put that into the show somewhere. Oh, so Chris. Yes. Um, I know there are no conventions going on. Are are, are you oh looking to do any virtual thing, virtual conventions anytime soon? Uh, yes, actually, I'll be uh, doing a night at Tsunami Con Virtual, which is out of Wichita, and I'll, I'll there'll be you know links in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, I'm gonna I need to get on my butt to put down some dates for Gamehole Con as part of the, the team for Alligator Alley Entertainment to promote, you know, the other game that I helped, you know, do a little here and a little there. For, and yeah. get, Rich is the mastermind of both the rules and the awesome setting of Esper Genesis. Uh, so I need to put some things down there. Fortunately, uh, Game Hall Con is going to be in November, so I can probably do two, run two games. And I'll be honest, well, let me think in here, because I know definitely for... Tsunami Con, I'm going to be going going old school because, like I said, uh, to be honest, I, I love technology and all that, but for some reason, I'm becoming, I'm, I'm getting getting to be streaming is is just like uh, I want to, but then it looks complicated, and then there are children on my lawn, and then <laughs> in the sky, I don't know the cloud. I'm just shaking my fist at it for some random reason. Um, but definitely for doing Esper Genesis, we have a really awesome online adventure already that's already done and, and kitted out and rich did that himself um which is the um the fall of the eos keldor which you know if you're not going to play my game uh at game hulk on <laughs> you might want to you might want to jump in and grab your own copy of that in fact i'll see if i can get away with it i might have to do something else but still we have lots of assets for esper genesis so it's a lot easier to just kind of go with the flow there for that one um and also i have to tell you um, I have found some really wonderful people running games uh, that will, that are happy to kind of jump in a little bit and teach and help out everybody there because a lot of people seem to want to bring everybody on board. It, it's like they're like, yes, I love role playing, but the streaming thing is awesome too. Let me teach you how to do both. They kind of let me, you know, let you see the wonders of both together. It's awesome, and it, it can be when you know what you're doing. But also, you know. It just, for me, I'm used to the prep of putting together a game. And to be honest, at this point, for some games, that's not much prep anymore because it's already done. It's in my head. I could I could run the script. I could flip the script. That's not a problem. But, um, you know, you have other things you have to put together, and those things kind of lock you down a little bit because you get to do more preparation. you got pre-gens. You know, you, people just can't show up at the table and have a character ready because um, if you go to R20, you know, to Roll20 or something, get that stuff and put it in and that takes time. It's almost like coming to the table and making your character to some degree. Yeah. So, and I'm not complaining. Don't get me wrong. I'm not browsing. I'm just still trying to 
you know, wrap my head around it and, and get over that hump to embrace it more because I've just noticed that, you know, you can be a, it can be a very, thank you very much again for the, the compliment of a productive writer or a hardworking writer, but you know, it's kind of like Hollywood. You can be an awesome screenwriter and uh, if you're not streaming, you're not exactly in front of the camera. So that you kind of get fade in the background a little bit. So streaming doesn't hurt your RPG career, such as RPG careers are sidelines so i can i can attest to that in the, um i i appeared on uh, a stream event uh, a couple of weeks back now uh, probably about a month or so now and uh as a player it was rather um it was rather easy um but i uh seeing the setup that go had to go on uh beyond just being a because like I'm running you know our our not safe wizards game uh, we've you know moved to virtual and you're right the you you have to lock down a lot more in DM prep than if we were meeting in person I can be a lot I could be a lot more uh, free to you know kind of let things be loosey goosey and and maybe not have so many confines on the player um, but. T talking to uh, uh, Mindflayed Mondays, uh, Morgan uh, was running the gate, running the stream, and just getting all of the, uh, you know, all the the videos to line up in the right windows, and you know, getting everything to line up and look good, and then now I just look good on his on a computer, but then make sure it looks good on if someone's watching on their phone, and yeah, there's a lot of work that goes on to setting up a stream, and so when you get folks who can set up streams well. Uh, that's uh, that's that's somebody you want to learn from. So, I would definitely be interested in checking out uh, anybody who is going to discuss, you know, how to run a uh, a gaming stream. You know, and I'm spoiled on my my regular Wednesday group. We just use Zoom because we have our paper and our dice in front of. We're comfortable with being honest with each other, and uh, you know. It's like to that is just like one step away from being at the table. And of course, we're not streaming, so we don't have to look good. So, you know, we're just all happy everybody's wearing pants. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, for, for Not Safe for Wizards, uh, we do audio over Discord like we're doing here. Um, and then we use the role, we, we use Roll 20 only for if we get into uh, battle situations. And even then, I, you know, I have. I didn't input anybody's character sheet in, so everyone's playing using D&D uh, &D Beyond. And if they went in and set up uh, macros or whatever to do their roles, that's on them. I think I gave them. Uh, Morgan had given uh, a, a link to a uh, to a Chrome extension that will link your D&D uh, Beyond character sheet into Roll Twenty. But like a couple of my players, they're still rolling dice, and you know, it's it's so funny. It's like. I'll get the, oh, I rolled a nat 20. Do you, do you need to see it? And it's like, no, we, we've been playing together long enough that I, I don't need to see it. Yeah. Totally get that. that. That's how our group is. Well, one player, one player will always go, hmm. Mostly plus his chops. <laughs> it used, used to be me as a player when, when <gasps> although, although to be fair, we had one guy in our group when I was in high school who he did the roll and swipe, you know, and it was always like, oh yeah, no, I, I, you know, if it wasn't a twenty, uh, I rolled a nineteen. So then with my, with my bonus, that's a whatever. And it's like, and and he did, like I said, he did the the roll and swipe. So you never really could see. 
like, man, if you're going to lie, at least say, hey, it was a seven. <laughs> it's at <laughs> no, least that's close. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what the DM does, and that's when we fudge low so that we don't kill your characters. Come on, TPK247, man. <laughs> Actually, believe it or not, I haven't fudged rolls in a long time. Because so, with the Cypher system, it's all player-facing stuff, so the right. players roll the dice. So, but they have other systems in place so you can kind of get your fudging control back without having to fudge. Not knocking fudging. I've done it myself. Yeah. I, I still say it's a valid tactic. <laughs> it, it is. And I mean, the caveat I always put is you're not fudging in favor of yourself. You're fudging in favor of the players. Um, oh, yeah. You know, and it's, and, and I've had those nights where like I'm dropping dice behind a screen and 18, 19, 20, 20. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like 17, 18, 18, 18, 19, 19. And it's like I am I'm going to kill them. And it was like, even if it was a fight that like based on balance or whatever, not tough. Even if it's not a tough fight, if the dice are rolling in your favor, and especially if your dice are rolling in your favor and the player's dice are cold, you know, it's like I don't want this encounter with you know the street toughs to wipe out the party. Now, I do understand that retreat is always an option, kinda. When your players remember that, um, but you know, there's time you just you don't want to wipe the party because killing, you know, losing a character sucks. Uh, it, it does. It, it really does. It, it really, it, and not just for the person who lost their character. You know, the rest of the party now is like, oh, you know, so and so is dead. Uh, now what do we do? Well, about I, not picking a fight with twenty people on three. <laughs> Not Sadly, for nothing, if you walk down the street and pick a fight with 20 guys, you're going to lose. <laughs> right. But, well, there's been time when it's like it's 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 five on five or whatever. And like I said, they're rolling cold and I'm rolling hot. And, you know, it's just it it, it, it happens, you know, and you're just like, uh, OK, I got to start. You know, the, you know, sometimes it's OK. That was a hit. Not just not another critical hit on them or, you know. Or I fudge, you know, the, the damage roll isn't what it, uh, you know, instead of it was max. I've had that night, too, where it's like every hit is max damage. And it's just like, oof, that's, that's a well, tough spot. Some of that is, is, sadly, part of that is, is some of the philosophy that, or mindset for some people. If they think the fight's always balanced, they don't want to retreat because they're going to hope their, their luck turns. Sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. I had a game where it was, I was the lucky one. And the GM would come in and go, yeah, so I'm not going to put up with any of your shenanigans, player characters, and uh, then my dice would be hot. <laughs> just roll over his bad guy. So, uh, sounds, you know, Chris, we are uh, impressed with the output in the last two months. We will uh, definitely be keeping an eye out for news. And uh, for, for our fans, you will often see on the Geekiest uh, Podcasts media, uh, social medias, that we love to share what our guests are, our, our previous guests have been up to. So uh, you can probably, if, if Chris has anything come out big, major that you need to know about, we are going to share the hell out of it because we like to make sure that the people who have taken the time to be guests on the show get all the promotion and all the accolades and everything they deserve. Absolutely. And thank you. I appreciate that. You're very welcome. Um, so we would love to be the exclusive source for breaking news. <laughs> uh, so uh, we uh, should shift into some geek news. Uh, I will I will take lead on this. 
got a chance to see the WandaVision trailer, uh, teaser trailer that came out uh, last week. Uh, very intriguing. Pretty uh, trippy. Very trippy. Uh, very, very much what I from from when they they released the uh, the synopsis. Uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, the synopsis of the series, what it was going to to focus on. Um, it definitely looks like that is that is the case. Uh, it looks like it's very trippy, and from what I understand, there is you know Wanda is going to be tied into uh, the upcoming Doctor Strange uh, movie. So that's also pretty cool. So I'm 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 looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to that trippiness being brought into the MCU. I'm very interested where that's going to fit into the continuity of post Endgame. Is it in between Mind Trip? It, I want to see where this is going to come from. Um, I thought in the synopsis they they mentioned that um, the events of the series take place after Endgame. Interesting. Yes. Um, so that should be rather interesting. Uh, also, I, I find it rather interesting. You know, I, I, I when you think about it, it's like you can't let Paul Bettany go to waste, you know, with having, having a vision be dead. You know? Exactly. He's, he's too awesome an actor to just let uh, go. I well, did. That's, that, that's the interesting point though. I mean, the, the mind stone went back into the time stream where it was taken. So does Ultron still happen? Does Vision actually come into play at that point and then continues on? And if that's the case, why could there be two Mind Stones in one place at the same time? Mind blown. That, so, mm, continuity. <laughs> right, but as soon as you have uh, Captain America going around, uh, going back in time to replace things, your continuity gets really, and, and then staying, gets really chucked. Right, but then how can the Mind Stone be in Vision and in Tony's glove at the same time? Ah, but here's the thing. Mm -hmm. This is possibly only happening in Wanda's head. Mm, this is true. This could be. Yeah, because remember, Very interesting. Uh, if, if, if you're a fan of, of, of the Scarlet Witch in comic books, uh, one of her abilities is to warp reality. And at one point, uh, was it after her, her child was killed? She wiped out like all of mutant kind, uh, the, the house of M storyline, as I recall. Oh, wouldn't you? <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, I understand the grief. My, my favorite part of the trailer though, is, uh, Deborah Joe Rupp, uh, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Kitty from, uh, from that 70s show. Uh, <laughs> I was Kitty Foreman. I was just, I saw her. Um, I, I loved her, of course, and that 70s show loved her character uh, on uh, The Ranch, um, the uh, Ashton Kutcher, Sam Elliott uh, show that was on Netflix. Oh, my God. I thought I was the only person that watched that episode. Oh, me and, a, me and a former co-worker, like, we were religious in watching it, and, like, those those breaks that happened between every 10 episodes were killing us. But, uh, yeah, we... I, I just like... So did you guys see Captain... Uh, Oh, what was going on? I was just going to ask if you guys had noticed uh, Captain uh, Captain Marvel in the WandaVision. I did. Th there are so many little things in that. I, I'm 
I'm really going to want to watch the uh, trailer again um, because it's just interesting. Um, but I'm really interested to see how that series go uh, in more Marvel television, Disney Plus news. Um, it's been confirmed that Samuel L. Jackson will be leading a Nick Fury television series or streaming series. What is it? Well, okay, what is the actual terminology we're supposed to use for shows that appear on streaming services? TV shows? Streaming shows? Shows? Entertainment? <laughs> so, <laughs> however you want to call it, Samuel L. Jackson will be, uh, will be playing Nick Fury in a uh, Nick Fury TV show on Disney Plus. Um, I'm kind now, of in. What, what, what timeline would you like to see? Uh, I would love to see like some of the things we haven't seen, like what he was doing between uh, when did he di he disappeared in Civil War, and then we didn't see him again until the end of Infinity War. So it'd be interesting to find out what he was doing there. Um, be interesting to find out, you know, the uh, between you know what he was doing after the end game through uh you know appearing on the scroll uh the uh the the spaceship at the end of far from home right see me personally i want to see like an old school uh 70s cop tv show with him and colson directly after captain marvel well, when they're captain still running the beat well if it's captain marvel then that's the 90s well, I know, but I wanted the, like, 1970s-style cop show, a la, uh, like, Chips, or see, What Adam 12, or something along those lines. See, I, 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 if they're going to do something like that, then do, like, uh, and, and keeping it in the 90s, early 2000s, then you could do, like, uh, like the uh, first Mission Impossible with Tom Cruise type thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I'm thinking, like, the buddy cop show with him and oh, Coulson. Yeah. That'd, be a, that'd be a fun show to watch. <laughs> But it's, uh, it, it's interesting. Um, and again, it's one of those things where, you know, Samuel Jackson, pretty big movie star, now appearing in small screen. Um, but the, uh, the report on it is that Kyle Bradstreet, best known for his work as a writer on uh, Mr. Robot, uh, is set to be writer and executive producer. So, yeah. Interesting. Yes. Um, and I think for... Geek news, that's all I had. For some reason, I thought there was one other thing, but if there was, it has fallen out of my head. So, Will, what you got? Uh, so, I got a couple of little things. Uh, first, uh, uh, a happy anniversary birthday uh, to Pokemon Red and Blue, which hit 22 years ago today. It was released in North America. Actually, I take that back. I'm sorry. 20 years, 22 years ago, Monday, as this episode drops on Thursdays. Um, so Pokemon Red and Blue, 22 years old. Yes, you can feel old now. I know I do. Thanks. Thanks, Will. Who's on my Yeah, get the hell off my lawn, man. Uh, Jurassic World, the Velocicoaster is coming uh, to Universal Studios Orlando. Uh, it is the new updated uh, roller coaster that's coming. There's a really cool video uh, with some concept art, and some of the stars of the movies are coming to make an appearance in that as well. That's pretty cool. And maybe, maybe you'll be able to drag me out to a theme park by then. 
Yeah, summer 2021. Yeah, we should probably maybe hopefully be okay. Let's all keep a positive attitude. Uh, and we and have masks gotten, on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll I'll go wearing a mask. I'm good. Uh, we got our first look at Rosaria Dawson as Ahsoka Tano from The Mandalorian. Uh, it was reported that uh, Hasbro has thrown out some box art for their upcoming Star Wars Black Series Ahsoka Tano Force FX Elite Lightsaber Collectible uh, with a nice artist rendering of Ahsoka Tano being played by Rosario Dawson. That is pretty cool. So it's per- she looks really close. I mean, yeah. really close. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. Uh, the last bit of news that I have is dust off my soapbox here just a little bit. Um, when this episode drops, it'll be October 1st, which puts us 33 days to the American elections. Uh, I'm not going to get political. Relax. Calm down. Uh, it's important. Uh, far too many people do not take their responsibility for voting as seriously as they should. Uh, 46.1 is a big number, uh, but not big enough, especially when you're talking about 18 to 29-year-olds who voted in the 2016 election. That's a really, really bad number. Uh, The highest demographic that has the most people in it is in that category, and it's the lowest percentage of voting that's represented out there. I've always believed that it doesn't matter who you vote for. Make sure you vote. Lots of things could taken on in these elections. A lot of attention gets placed on a presidential election, but it's important to know who your assemblyman is, who your congressman is, who your senator is, who your local commissioners are, and what's going on at the local level where things that impact you and your life, this is where those decisions are made. It's a really interesting thing. Every four years, we get to overthrow the government however we want. It's important that you do this. It's it's something that people around the world clamor for and look to us and say, we wish we had that opportunity. And for 46%, to show up and voice an opinion is a ridiculous number. Um, so 33 days from the time that this episode drops, remember decisions are made by those who show up. Please take the time now, look into your options for voting, whether it be voting by mail, early voting, uh, make sure that you're registered, find out when the registration deadline is in your area, and most importantly, follow through, actually do it. Could not agree with you more, Will. Amen. And thank you for letting me get on my soapbox. No, you and, and you, you covered something I wanted you. Uh, I was hoping you were going to cover, which is check out the various different ways that you can vote. When if there's early voting in your district, when you can go do it. Um, if you requested a mail-in ballot, and we all know what's you know the issues that have been going on with the post ser- postal service, uh, whether or not you can deliver your ballot. <laughs> to uh, polling locations or to the supervisor of elections office follow all the directions with your mail-in ballot um you know take the time to read it yes read all the directions before you do anything i 
cannot stress that enough. Um, those I, I, the low, the recent story about those nine ballots in Pennsylvania, they were thrown out because they weren't in the uh, secrecy ballot, uh, secrecy envelope that came along with the ballot envelope. So follow directions because that's generally what gets your ballot disqualified: is not signing in the right spot, not putting it in the right envelope, uh, any of that good stuff. So. And just remember, if you don't vote, you don't have a voice. You don't get to complain about the result. Yeah, and and I can't stress also enough what Will was saying is, you know, the local politics matter as much as national politics. Who's your who runs your school board? Who's your city commissioner? Who's your city mayor if you have an elected mayor? Who's your county commissioner? Who's your elected county mayor if you have one of those? Uh, you know, up and down. You know, the people who make the day-to-day, you know, whether or not, you know, certain zones in your city are, you know, for business or for homes or for affordable homes, that all comes down at the local level. And as Will said, every four years and every two years, you get to overthrow your legislature. Uh, every four years, you get to overthrow your your president and your governor. Um, you know, it's it's important to vote. And so many people have sacrificed both those who wore uniforms and those who have been on the streets with signs, you know, like this year, we celebrated the 100th anniversary of women getting the right to vote. You know, those women didn't just go out and protest and hold signs and that changed. They were beaten. They were had dogs sat, attacked on them. They were arrested and mistreated. And but they didn't they did enough to move the consciousness of this country to get the right to vote for women. And for those of you who are sitting there saying, well, my vote, my voice doesn't matter. My vote doesn't matter. I'm going to leave you with this number, 507. If you're not familiar with what that number means, that's the number of votes that uh, George W. Bush won Palm Beach County in 2000. That settled the election in 2000. 507. Yep. Every vote matters. All right. We... uh have the big board to go to. Uh, I know, Chris, you did not think you were going to be the runaway winner, but you were the runaway winner. Surprise! <laughs> I, I don't think you guys give yourself enough credit. That's what happened. You're self-scoring, and then you forget to score yourself. No, that's we're just, more, we're just more impressed with talking with you. It's we right. don't... <laughs> <laughs> So, Chris, as our winner, as, as our geekiest this week, um, two-time geekiest, uh, you, of course, have the uh, privilege to uh, promote whatever it is you would like to promote first. And, of course, as always, everything goes into the show notes. So fire away. Well, I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't promote that the Diamond Throne Kickstarter is uh, still going on for, at, at this point, nine days. And this show comes in a couple of days later. So, uh, you know, it'll still be live. And, of course, now there's back your kit. Nice. So, um, you know, you can check that out. Uh, and then just keep your eyes peeled on Lulu and Drive Through Fiction in uh, late October for Tales from Vigilante City, which is the anthology I'm going to be in. Okay. And I'm trying to think if there's anything else to promote. But those are the big ones, especially the Kickstarter. And then we'll include your the like the socials we had last time as well. Oh, thank you. Will, sir, where can people find you on the internet? Ah, well, on the surface, you can find me on the Twitter and the Insta, uh, at Geekiest Will on both of those platforms. Where can they find you, Joe? Well, uh, they can find me on Twitter at Demorgus. That's D-E-M-O-R-G-U-S. 
Uh, you can find this podcast at uh, The Geekiest Pod across all the social medias. Uh, you can find me and Kayla on the Not Safe for Wizards 5th Edition Actual Play podcast, uh, where I think we're, we're, we're slowly process, uh, pushing to like 70 episodes now. Um, and, like, mm-hmm. 50 of, and 50 of them being like actual play episodes. So holy crap. Um, and uh, if you're listening to us on Thursday, listen tomorrow to the out of character that we put out because I'm the guest on it. And I'll be talking with Gary about all sorts of behind the scenes things. Um, hey, if you're in South Florida area and you like to go to thrift stores, and if you don't, what's wrong with you? Um, you can come to see Kayla and my's uh, geeky, witchy, nerdy, uh, gamery uh, thrift store, Secondhand Goddess in downtown Davie at 4148 Davie Road. Uh, you can also find us on the social medias at all sorts of variations of Secondhand Goddess. And you can find us on the internet at secondhandgoddess.net where you'll see our eBay listings for all sorts of really cool uh, Disney paraphernalia at this point. We have Disney pins and Disney uh, vinyls um, up there. And uh, I'm still working on figuring out how to do this uh, evolving DM stuff on uh, online to teach you how to play D&D or other tabletop games and uh, run one shots. Figuring it out, just sort of slicing up time to do it. But uh, that should be coming down the road. So keep an eye out for that. Um, So we're like seven months, almost eight months into the quarantine COVID era. Uh, As we keep reminding you, please follow social distancing, wear a mask, wash your hands. As Pete would say, don't be a dick. Uh, We on this show believe Black Lives Matter. We thank you so much for listening this week. We look forward to listening to you to, for you li- to listen to us next week. And uh, Will, it was weird last week. I did your sign-off line because there's no way this show ends without your sign-off line. So I heard it was so awesome. All right, kids, leave the world a better place than you found it. Hey there, listener. Before we get out of here, just want to uh, ask you to do us a little favor. Um, two little favors. One, if you go to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review there. Five stars would be great, but hey, we're leaving that up to you. And second would be share the podcast with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you think would enjoy a deep dive into geek culture. Uh, that would definitely help us. Thanks for listening. The preceding program was brought to you by Armored Bear Productions.